0: CHAPTER 26 OF THE WINDOW AT THE WHITE CAT BY MARY ROBERTS RINEHART THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN, READING BY ROBERT Kuyper. CHAPTER 26, LOVERS AND A LETTER THE LAST CHAPTER At noon that day I telephoned to Marjorie. Come up, I said, and bring the keys to the Monmouth Avenue house. I have some things to tell you, and some things to ask you. I met her at the station with Lady Grey in the trap. My plans for that afternoon were comprehensive. They included what I hoped to be the solution of the Aunt Jane mystery. Also, they included a little drive through the park and a— well, I shall tell about that, uh, all I am going to tell—at the proper time. To play propriety, Edith met us at the house. It was still closed, and even in the short time that had elapsed, it smelled close and musty. At the door into the drawing room, I stopped them. Now, this is going to be a sort of game, I explained. It's a sort of button, button, who's got the button without the button. We are looking for a drawer, receptacle or closet, which shall contain, bunched together and without regard to whether they should be there or not, a small revolver, two military brushes and a clothes brush, two or three soft-bosomed shirts, perhaps a half-dozen collars and a suit of underwear. Also a small flat package, about eight inches long and three wide. "'What on earth are you talking about?' Edith asked. "'I am not talking, I am theorizing,' I explained. "'I have a theory, and according to it the things should be there. If they are not, it is my misfortune, not my fault.' I think Marjorie caught my idea at once, and as Edith was ready for anything, we commenced the search. Edith took the top floor, being accustomed, she said, to finding unexpected things in the servants' quarters. Marjorie took the lower floor, and for certain reasons, I took the second. For ten minutes there was no result. At the end of that time I had finished two rooms and commenced on the blue boudoir. And here, on the top shelf of a three-cornered empire cupboard, with glass doors and spindle legs, I found what I was looking for. Every article was there. I stuffed a small package into my pocket and called the two girls. The lost is found, I stated calmly, when we were all together in the library. "'When did you lose something?' Edith demanded. "'Do you mean to say, Jack Knox, that you have brought us here to help you find a suit of gaudy pyjamas and a pair of military brushes?' "'I brought you here to find Aunt Jane,' I said soberly, taking a letter and the flat package out of my pocket. "'You see, my theory worked out. Here is Aunt Jane, and there is the money from the Russia leather bag.' I laid the packet in Marjorie's lap and, without ceremony, opened the letter. It began. "'My dearest niece, I am writing to you because I cannot think what to say to Sister Letitia. I am running away. I am running away, my dear. It scares me even to write it all alone in this empty house.' "'I have had a cup of tea out of one of your lovely cups "'and a nap on your pretty couch, "'and just as soon as it is dark "'I am going to take the train for Boston. "'When you get this, I will be on the ocean. "'The ocean, my dear, that I have read about "'and dreamed about and never seen. "'I am going to realize a dream of forty years, "'more than twice as long as you have lived. "'Your dear mother saw the continent before she died,' but the things I have wanted have always been denied me. I have been one of those that have eyes to see and see not. So I have run away. I am going to London and Paris and even to Italy if the money your father gave me for the pearls will hold out. For a year now I have been getting steamship circulars and I have taken a little French through a correspondence school. That is why I always made you sing French songs, dearie, I wanted to learn the accent. I think I should do very well if I could only sing my French instead of speaking it. I am afraid that Sister Letitia discovered that I had taken some of the pearls, but half of them were mine, from our mother, and although I had wanted a pearl ring all my life, I have never had one. I am going to buy me a hat instead of a bonnet.' and clothes and pretty things underneath and a switch marjorie i have wanted a switch for thirty years i suppose letitia will never want me back perhaps i shall not want to come i tried to write to her when i was leaving but i had cut my hand in the attic where i had hidden away my clothes and it bled on the paper i have been worried since for fear your aunt letitia would find the paper in the basket and be alarmed at the stains I wanted to leave things in order, please tell Letitia, but I was so nervous and in such a hurry. I walked three miles to Winton and took a streetcar. I just made up my mind I was going to do it. I am sixty-five, and it is time I have a chance to do the things I like. I came in on the car and came directly here. I got in with the second key on your key ring. Did you miss it? And I did the strangest thing at Bellwood. I got down the stairs very quietly and out onto the porch. I set down my empty traveling bag. I was going to buy everything new in the city to close the door behind me. Then I was sure I heard someone at the side of the house, and I picked it up and ran down the path in the dark. You can imagine my surprise when I opened the bag this morning to find I had picked up Harry's. I am emptying it and taking it with me, for he has mine. If you find this right away, please don't tell Sister Letitia for a day or two. You know how firm your Aunt Letitia is. I shall send her a present from Boston to pacify her, and perhaps when I come back in three or four months, she will be over the worst. I am not quite comfortable about your father, Marjorie. He is not like himself.' The last time I saw him, he gave me a little piece of paper with a number on it, and he said they followed him everywhere and were driving him crazy. Try to have him see a doctor. And I left a bottle of complexion cream in the little closet over my mantel, where I had hidden my hat and shoes that I wore. Please destroy it before your Aunt Letitia sees it. Goodbye, my dear niece. I suppose I am growing frivolous in my old age, but... I am going to have silk linings in my clothes before I die. Your loving Aunt Jane. When Marjorie stopped reading, there was an amazed silence. Then we all three burst into relieved, uncontrolled mirth. The dear little old lady, with her new independence and her sixty-five-year-old romantic, starved heart, Then we opened the packet, which was a sadder business, for it had represented Allan Fleming's last clutch at his waning public credit. Edith ran to the telephone with the news for Fred, and for the first time that day Marjorie and I were alone. She was standing with one hand on the library table. In the other she held Aunt Jane's letter, half-tremulous, wholly tender. I put my hand over hers on the table. Marjorie? I said. She did not stir. Marjorie, I want my answer, dear. I love you. Love you. It isn't possible to tell you how much. There isn't enough time in all existence to tell you. You are mine, Marjorie. Mine. You can't get away from that. She turned very slowly and looked at me with her level eyes. Yours she replied softly, and I took her in my arms. Edith was still at the telephone. I don't know, she was saying. Just wait until I see. As she came toward the door, Marjorie squirmed, but I held her tight. In the doorway Edith stopped and stared. Then she went swiftly back to the telephone. Yes, dear, she said sweetly, they are... This minute. The End of The Window at the White Cat by Mary Roberts Reinhardt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Robert Kuyper, Fairfax, Virginia, January and February 2010.